This episode of Physically Spiritual is about spiritual motherhood. Welcome to Physically Spiritual. I've been amazed by how much growing physically healthier has transformed my spiritual life. Physically Spiritual is my attempt to harmonize and share what I've discovered. I'm your host, Andrew Reinhardt. Well, today on the show, I'm excited to share with you two special guests from the sisters of Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist. Uh, today, we have Sister Mary Dominic and Sister Mary Bethany with us from the uh, from the house in Finley, Ohio. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Andrew. Thank you for having us. Well, I like to start every episode just asking people how basically how the Lord has worked in their life to lead them up to the place where they're at and the work they do. Um, and I know this is maybe like a longer thing for you because it's your whole vocation <laughs> and not just a job you do or a big book you've written or something like that. But but I know your order is um, you're you're primarily an educational order and you both teach. Um, but I'm curious, like what led you to this point in your life? Like you very, live a very countercultural life. Mm-hmm. You don't get married. Well, you get married to Jesus, right? <laughs> um, you don't have biological offspring, but you deal with more children than most women probably. Um, but what did the Lord do in your life to bring you here? Mm-hmm. You can start, Sister Mary Bethany. So I think every vocation is a call to love. Mm-hmm. And born from this deep experience of being loved. And so my religious vocation, I really received it um, from the Lord in Eucharistic adoration, just encountering his love for me in a, in a really profound and personal way. So mm. that um, relationship really started to blossom when I was in high school, just little bit by little bit growing in intimacy and friendship with the Lord. And then alongside of that, also receiving um, just a, just the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to just pursue this desire to belong totally to him. And at that point, I didn't know religious life. I didn't really know any sisters, but just through prayer and through discernment and um, just continuing to explore what religious life was, um, receiving that vocation to the Dominican Sisters of Mary um, to Mm. be his spouse and then to, you know, to share the love of, of Christ with the souls to whom we're sent. Yeah. I think my journey to discovering my vocation, like Sister said, it's a call to to love and how the Lord created you is also a gift, right, to be received. And I um, had a beautiful experience of physical motherhood in my own mom. Hmm. And I'm the oldest of five children in my family. And that made a huge impact on me, just seeing my mom love her own vocation um, and love being a wife, love being a mother as the oldest daughter of a Catholic family with five kids. I, that's what I wanted to. And so throughout high school and even into college, my desire was for marriage and to be a mother. Mm. Um, and like, as far as a career, I can't even say that I really had a deep desire to like really have a career. Like I just really had this desire, um, for marriage and for motherhood. And so when the idea of religious life was first proposed to me, it was terrifying because, from the outside, it looked like those desires that I had could never be fulfilled, right? I imagined getting old and being alone. And Mm. that was a terrifying thought as a young woman. 
And it wasn't until I met some young women who were discerning religious life, but the way they talked about religious life was a way I had never heard anyone talk about sisters before. Mm. They talked about a sister as a bride of Christ and a spiritual mother. And when I heard that, it totally changed my perception of religious life. When I realized that that's what a religious vocation is, it kind of like opened my heart to the possibility of living totally for Christ and realizing that those desires for marriage and for motherhood were going to be fulfilled more deeply and more um, in a more exciting way than I ever could have planned or imagined for myself. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I, so I, if you want to find out more on the sisters, go over to open light media. I'll share links in the show notes, but I, I did some homework <laughs> Sister Mary Dominic, I saw your video on there. And this line you said in, in that video was, I wanted to be just like my mother. Mm-hmm. Um, it just like it just struck me as so beautiful, like the power of of her motherhood in your life. But mm-hmm. then um, you know, but then like you had this joy on your face when you said it, and it made me think that like that is the case. Right. So, so I was in seminary for four years. And when I was in high school discerning that call, I was terrified of being made fun of one. But two, I was also like just the idea of not being a father, you know. And we had this retreat at the end of high school called Kairos. And Father Todd Dominic was our chaplain from here in the diocese. And he had just gotten off a week, like a, like a theology of the body training, <laughs> right before this retreat in God's providence, right? Mm-hmm. And all my classmates were opening up about all this stuff in their life. And I was just thinking like, Lord, what do you want me to share? And it struck me that like he had put this desire in my heart to consider priesthood. And I had never told anyone about it. No one. Mm-hmm. Um, and he sat down with me and I shared that with him. And he started talking to me about spiritual fatherhood. Mm-hmm. And it just made me realize that like, one like becoming, being a celibate isn't a denial of motherhood and fatherhood, right? There's like a realization of it in a different way. Um, yeah, so this one, when I heard you say that and I saw the joy in your face, it struck me that like the Lord didn't take that desire away. Um, but there's also like a real practical side to this, right? Like, I mean, you're still women, like you still have bodies, you still have instincts. So like entering into formation then, like, what is that experience like as, as being like a woman in the flesh, but then you're becoming Christ's bride, mm-hmm. right? And Christ has a body. It's the church and the Eucharist, but mm-hmm. like he doesn't rub your back, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so what's that experience been like? I think it's so true and so beautiful. We don't leave our humanity at the door, you know? Yeah. Priests and religious, like every vocation is a call to that life in abundance in the uniqueness of the person and the fullness mm. of their humanity. Yeah. And so I think holiness, like what we all desire, what Christ desires for us is wholeness and that integration of all that makes us human, yeah. that healing of all that is wounded and broken, you know, like, and that will ultimately happen in heaven to the fullness. Um, but you're so right. Like we are body and soul. And I think for a woman, most especially like we are made to be mothers, you know, we were like, you Mm -hmm. can see that in the woman's body. And it is such a beautiful reminder that we are called to receive life and to bear life and to Mm -hmm. nurture life. And that is a part of every woman's vocation if she's living it to the full. And that brings that authentic joy when you are 
living in accord to who God created you to be. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's it's built into us to have this space for the other. Mm. And so to do that spiritually for us ultimately comes from Christ, right? Because he has received us totally. And that's the heart of our vocation. We've learned or and still are learning how to be fully received by his love to allow him to love us and mm-hmm. it's in that it's living in that heart of yeah. uh, of Christ that we have space to be spiritual mothers so without him we're not right we can't our vocation doesn't make sense without that primary identity as bride yeah yeah when you when you say that i in a previous episode quoted um Alice von Hildebrand's quote about how all women are mothers, you know, and she kind of goes through the details of that. Um, and, and I think too, that we sometimes I think make a false distinction between physical motherhood and spiritual motherhood. Uh, you know, we're body and soul, we're hylomorphic to bring up a domestic term. Um, and, and in order for me to be a good father, I also have to be a spiritual father mm-hmm. in order for my wife to be a good mother. I, she also has to be a spiritual mother. And like that idea of like, that there's a space in yourself to receive the other. It's so true. Cause like with our son, Solanus, this is a reflection that I gave before was that, um, he rests on my wife in a way he never rests on me. Like when he gets on my lap, he wants, he wants me to get up and wrestle him to pull me around the house to do something. He wants me to take him out into the world and he wants to show me his world and he wants to like go on adventure with me. Like my wife can pick him up and he'll sit there for 20 minutes just content. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, there's something different about us and complimentary about us that, that we're, we're received, our bodies are received by him differently. Um, so I guess I'm just curious, like in your like experience of being Dominicans, being teachers, um, being religious sisters, like, how do you experience like people receiving you in a way that is like different than they receive spiritual fathers and they receive priests? That's a good question. And I think your point too, that in the flesh, we learn how to live our vocations. And I've certainly found that in my own vocation. Um, You know, in the early years of formation, you learn about the the theology of religious life and every consecrated woman is a, is a spiritual mother and a bride of Christ. But it wasn't until I started teaching in the apostolate um, that I really started to live that and to discover what that actually meant. And, and, you know, each sister, each mother lives her motherhood in her own specific distinct way. But um, so I teach kindergarten. So I'm surrounded um, on a daily basis, not just with, you know, being a spirit, a mother of their souls, but also in, in a very real sense. And during the day, you know, making sure that their noses are blown and their shoes are tied. So um, in, receive, in in experiencing just um, my role as a teacher and as a formator of their, you know, their person, the whole child, I um, started to really love and learn from Our Lady what was true motherhood. Because, you know, we have sisters who, um, teaching as our primary apostle, we have sisters who are not in the classroom on a year, you know, every year, or who are teaching, you know, high schoolers who, you know, on the surface, it seems like they don't need that, the physical, like, duties of motherhood as in the same way. So I, um, 
I started realizing just like to be a mother at the heart, what does that mean? And to really just ask that question in prayer and to seek it in in Our Lady. And I think one thing that I realized is to be a mother is to receive the other. And that, um, there's so many different ways you could say that, but I think that's a universal, spiritual and physical. Um, and how I how I interacted with my students, you know, it wasn't just a matter of, ensuring their physical needs were met or, you know, ensuring that we got from point A to point B and through the lessons. But was I truly seeing them with reverence and with love and and reflecting back to them the goodness of their existence? And, you know, that sounds beautiful, but in the concrete, like, was I, were, do I look at them? Yeah. You know, do I orient them towards, like, you know, towards Christ, towards their Father in heaven, you know, you know, when they come complaining after, you know, recess incident, like, do I really see the problem and do I really try and give them that orientation towards, you know, the life of virtue and, and towards those things that are most nourishing for them spiritually? Mm. And so I think I am still, you know, Christ is still teaching me, Our Lady is still forming me in what that means to be a mother in the living out of those, of the duties of my vocation. Mm. Yeah. I think one of the things that I've, realized over my years of teaching so I teach fourth grade so a little mm. bit bigger version of what Sister Marie Bethany um, has in her classroom but they as they're growing and maturing so like nine ten year olds they're starting to like you, you have just this tremendous um, opportunity for character development in yeah. them they're really growing into the people that um, God is calling them to be and and you know they look to me for kind of, well, am I, am I fulfilling, you know, as mm. am I fulfilling what God is calling me to be? Cause sister, you know, they look at me and they think sister knows exactly, you know, everything they, you know, and that's beautiful that they, they see my spiritual authority that I do have over them in their classroom. And I do have the grace to guide them as their spiritual mother. And so, you know, using those graces that God is giving me um, to call them higher you know, um, at that age is really powerful. One of the other things that has been really moving as a teacher and as a sister is you just get the sense that the children know that you are for them, mm. right? Like they look at me and they know I have no other children at home. Yeah. Like, my love is for them, right? Ultimately, my love is for Christ, but they know that like they have pride of place in my heart. Like they are my children, you know, and and they know that they, um, that like I don't put expectations on them in the way that like in a family, you need to do physical things to help your family. Like you need to do chores at home and you need to, you know, like your parents have natural expectations of you, yeah. natural requirements of being in a family. But as a sister, I don't have those natural requirements that I put on them. Mm -hmm. Yes, they help in the classroom and whatever, but like there's no sort of natural structure of I, I don't need them. Mm -hmm. Whereas like, parents need their children to be part of the family like that's their unit um, whereas in the classroom like I have a very detached way of loving them um, mm. I don't require um, like something essential to to them I don't know if that makes sense if it that does makes sense with that. Yeah. it does yeah and when the catechism talks about the church's motherhood it talks it in the context of teaching but it also talks about it in the context of God's imminence that the church's motherhood is, it's sort of like God's fatherhood. It kind of points to God's transcendence. The motherhood points to God's imminence. And just struck me that like, 
in the work you do, like you spend a heck of a lot of time with these kids. Like, like, like you could be the, the celibate with whom they spend the most time in their entire life. Mm-hmm. Where like the, the priest kind of comes and goes. Like right. he's there for mass. He might show up for an hour, but like you're that, that presence that receives them and stays. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that's, that's communicating to them something essential about God that like he receives us and stays. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a, a, a probably beautiful experience for those kids. <laughs> well, as you say that, I think something that is beautiful that the, the consecrated woman religious gets to really model the church. Mm. I think, um, knowing the church is our mother is, you know, sometimes it's not always as evident, you know, you see the church in her frailty, you see the church in the saints, you see the church in her ordained priests, but um, to know the church as mother is something that we're really blessed and privileged to witness to. And I love what you said about just that imminence, because I think in the day-to-day, we get to train, just as a, a physical mother does, we really, the woman's heart is really attuned to relationship. And so we get to introduce them into the relationship of prayer and that intuitive, um, contemplative really sense of God's presence and his closeness. And as you were saying, like, you know, um, that we're with them so much, like just, I've realized as I live a life of prayer, it shapes how I view the world. And, you know, a good mother and a good, a good parent passes on their vision of the world to their children. Mm. And so I think a, a teacher also, that is her responsibility, his or her responsibility to reflect their vision of God, to share that vision with those entrusted to them. So one day, and, and we do this without realizing it as parents and as teachers, you know, like what we say, how we react to things, mm. which is terrifying at the same time. But one day it was, we were going outside for recess and I just said, you know, this is such a beautiful day. We should just say thank you to Jesus for this. And I just sort of offhandedly, and my, on, in my little line, right? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Like they just responded with praise. And and then like we will go out like other days and they'll remind me like sister did you say thank you to Jesus for this beautiful day <laughs> and just like their hearts are so naturally inclined to gratitude and to prayer you know at that yeah. age with like the young children and just to be able to introduce them into that life of prayer and that intimacy and the closeness of God is just something that as as teachers and as spiritual mothers and you know as parents we're blessed to be able to to impart to the, to the children mm-hmm. in our care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it starts to become a vision that they see the whole of their life from. Um, I have a sister kind of, or a story similar to Sister Marie Bethany's. My children were coming in and they were, they were really bummed about something. I think we were having indoor recess and they really wanted to go outside. And so a few of them were complaining. And so I was just giving them a word on gratitude. You know, I said, people who are grateful are so much happier than people who, who complain all the time. And, um, you know, I was like, just be grateful. Like God has given you so many gifts. Like you didn't have to get up this morning and here you are and you're breathing. Your heart is pumping. Like God loves you so much. Like thank him for the the gift of your life. And one of the girls in the front row, she goes, sister, did Jesus tell you to say that? She's like, cause I really needed to hear that, you know? And they, you know, because I talk about like, oh, I'm going to ask Jesus about this, you know, or, oh, I need to talk about, talk to Jesus about you or, you know, or whatever in the classroom. And that starts to become part of their vocabulary of how they relate to Jesus as he's a friend who I, who I talk to and he inspires mm-hmm. me throughout the day and it becomes something very ordinary for them. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're sharing reality with them, mm-hmm. right? You know, we were just before the show, 
when we were chatting, we were talking about the book from Christendom Apostolic Mission. Mm -hmm. And one of the concepts that's introduced in that book is the idea of having an imaginative vision. Mm -hmm. How, you know, we have this faculty of imagination that kind of fills in reality for us and is always operating and creates a lens through which we see reality, through which we see the world around us. Um, and what so much of our world struggles with is, right, they have an imaginative vision by which the spiritual doesn't exist, God doesn't exist. And even people in the church, right, that's that kind of like practical atheism that Pope Benedict talked about, that we profess God with our ideas, but we act like he's not there. Um, I just struck me that so much of what you're teaching them through the language of your body, through the lessons that you preach them, you're really like introducing them to reality, right? That like God is present, God's imminent. Right, which is very countercultural. Yeah. 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 And, and essential for the new evangelization too. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we got plenty of people out there talking in microphones about the nature of God, but how many people do we have like out there being an incarnation of the teaching, you know, so that mm -hmm. people get it in their hearts and not just their heads. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. As you, you were talking earlier about your formation process, I wanted to touch on that because I love um, one of the ideas from uh, Carrie Duant shoots who's, involved with the John Paul II Healing Center. Okay. In, in her book, Undone, based on John Paul II's letter to women, she has this kind of idea that all women are first daughters, then sisters, um, and then a spouse, and then a mother. And these kind of like build on each other. Like, how do you become a good sister? Well, you experience being a, a daughter. Mm -hmm. How do you become a good spouse? Well, you experience being a good sister. Uh, and it just strikes me that your formation, in, in a sense, is sort of like a new path through that dynamic right because mm -hmm. you're born a daughter and then a sister and then you know but then you're called into a supernatural vocation so then you go through postulancy and being a novice mm -hmm. and you're kind of a daughter in a new way and a sister in a new way and then a spouse in a new way mm -hmm. um so i'm just curious about your process of like going through that that like new spiritual childhood to like prepare you for your spiritual motherhood yes that's very insightful and i think at the the root of every vocation is your baptism. Mm. And I think that's something that in our in our formation is really emphasized, you know, the theology of religious life, our vows are rooted in our baptismal consecration. You know, each person is claimed by God at their baptism as his child, as his beloved child. And the deeper, you know, the deeper we can receive that gift and claim it and live from it, the more fully we're going to be living our vocations, regardless of what that is. But especially as women religious, it starts with our baptism and it does start with, do I know that I am a beloved daughter of the Father? Mm -hmm. And and you're right, that experience of receiving, of knowing yourself as a gift mm -hmm. and knowing yourself as good is then going to inform how you live out all those other relationships as a sister, you know, as a bride and as a as a mother. And so it is written into our uh, formation. We're so blessed to um, receive the first three years, so postulancy and then two years as a novice prior to professing vows that the church gives us this time of discernment first just to get to know the community, to learn how to live religious life, to learn the theology of the vows, to learn more of the catechism, scripture, um, to be really formed spiritually before being able to have the freedom to, you know, to profess the vows, to, to offer that gift of yourself to Christ. 
Um, but it is, it is a journey and it's one that you never go home and say, check, I figured out how to be a good spouse, you know, yeah. moving on to the next thing. It's like constantly, because it is a relationship, it's constantly growing and it's constantly deepening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that that foundational identity as daughter of the father is so key um, to our vocation because it is so supernatural. Mm. It has to be something you think of a child, the child can only receive. And that's how we have to be with God, yeah. not thinking that I am doing something for God. Right. I am totally received by him. Anything that I do for him is a response to how he first loved me. Mm -hmm. um, and because we have this spiritual living out of our motherhood and of our brideship, it is that daughterly identity is so key to our living out of our vocation. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. One of the reflections I've had of being a husband is like when I'm struggling at being a good husband, it's often because of like a wound or some difficulty in a prior level of the formation, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not just a matter of like technique, like I'm going to learn like mm -hmm. the right conversation technique to like get along with my wife or, or like we'll, we'll create some system. Like we can't look to systems to overcome deficiencies in love. Um, it's, it's something prior with, you know, me receiving that identity as a beloved son that then like not having that stable foundation, then like I'm acting something out in my marriage. Um, so coming to that point of sort of having the life I want isn't a matter of, yeah, just trying harder and learning more, but is receiving something uh, from the father or from, you know, my brothers in Christ or, mm -hmm. or my own physical brother or, you know, somebody else in my life. Mm -hmm. I mean, and for freedom, Christ set us free. I think that's something that, it's easy living the spiritual life to kind of settle, you know, to try and do it on your own and then kind of realize pretty quickly that's not going to take me that far and then sort of give up and sort of live like a lack of hope, kind of a half-hearted, well, you know, I guess this is as good as it's going to get. I go to mass. I don't get a lot out of it, but I'm checking off the boxes. I'm trying hard. It's like, no, Christ has so much more. He loves us so much more than, than we love ourselves. He has so much more he wants to give us. And I think yeah. When you see sin for what it is, you know, the saints, they had this sensitivity to sin because they saw that it was a rupture in relationship rather than a rule that was being broken. It is that as well. But I think the more, and I think in the convent, I've come to see this more deeply that, you know, going back to that first sin, what did they do? They grasped and they doubted who God was. They doubted that God was their good father. And so they grasped something. Yeah. You know, if you sort of look at sin, like what am I grasping? Where, where, what lie am I believing, you know, at this moment about God or about myself? Yeah. When you examine your conscience in that way, you realize, yes, the, the weaknesses, the wounds, you know, the deficiencies that our humanity, like we're suffering from, but also that Christ comes to redeem us in that. Mm. And the, the more you can encounter the reality, the truth of who you are in those, in those places that are distressing, mm -hmm. the more you give Christ the space to come in. You know, he says, I came for the sick. And yeah. it, have I ever let him, invited him into that? And have I ever let him, you know, 
look at where I am, where I am most hurt or most, you know, in need of a savior and let him redeem that. And it's not an instantaneous thing, but you know, that's the life of grace. That's like sacramental confession. That's the Eucharist. It's like him coming into those places, into, you know, giving himself to us and letting him, you know, transform us. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we I think we oftentimes settle for lesser identities. Like uh, the sins that we struggle with. We say, "Oh, well, this is I'm just this is going to be the cross that I have to carry for the rest of my life and mm-hmm. this is always going to be a struggle." You know, and sometimes we we like give into that, right? Whereas yeah. like Christ redeemed us for so much more than just getting through life, right? Like the word that just keeps coming to my mind is like abundance. God provides always in abundance. Like it's never just enough. It's never not enough. It's always in abundance. And I think we have to learn how to expect that from him Mm -hmm. because when we don't learn how to expect that from him, we don't see it and we miss it and we fail to respond. Whereas if we're expecting that, yes, God is going to provide for me, not only enough, but more than I need. And in ways I'm not expecting, right? Mm. To always know that he's abundant, right? He pours out everything. Like Jesus on the cross, right? He pours out everything. The way that the soldier pierced his side after he's crucified, right? Um, we were talking about the new translation of the... Um, of the, the No, not the Eucharistic prayer. Oh, confession. The, of confession, the new mm. change that yeah, just yeah. came out um, okay. right at the beginning of Lent. And the change that was is it went from, do you remember the word that it was before? He sent out his Holy Spirit. It's something like that. But the word that it's changed to is poured out. out. It's poured out. Yeah, like, yeah. And the priest was giving a homily to us and explaining like that is like, such a richer expression of Mm. what God is doing for us at every moment. Like he's pouring it out. And when things are poured, like it spills over, right? It doesn't all neatly land into the cup. It's, you know, it's, um, it's constantly being poured out. Yeah. 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 The truth will set you free. Mm -hmm. I, um, one of the, in my different stages of my vocational discernment, one thing that struck me is the, the blessings that the Lord has given me, have been better than the things I would have thought to ask for before I made the change. So like the, the things that the Lord gave me in seminary were better than what I would have thought to ask for before I entered. When I discerned out the blessings the Lord gave me were better than the ones I thought to ask for before I left. Um, you know, like, so one of you, I forget which one said at the beginning of your story, you said a, a fear of dying alone, you know, and it's like, I mean, our average life expectancy of a man is about six months less than a woman in our country. So I think you're a lot more likely to die alone if you're married. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Maybe not. Maybe, yes, you have your kids there or whatever. But um, that dynamic of like the blessings that the Lord gives us is better than we would have even thought to ask for. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, now in your life in the convent teaching, like how has that been true in your life with the Lord? Well, in so many ways. And it's something, you know, like Our Lady, she says, my soul magnifies the Lord. But I think that she shows us how to ponder. And sometimes it is only after the space, like in the moment, it maybe the fullness of the blessing isn't evident and mm. or the fullness of how God is giving us his abundance isn't always evident. You know, it could be there are hard, there are always hard things and there's always something to offer. There's always suffering. But when you have that knowledge that he is a good father and you have the trust that I can't see it right now, but you are with me in this. Mm. Um, 
that knowledge gives you also then the faith to look back in your memory and ask the Holy Spirit to show me how have you been blessing me through this. So um, I think Pope Francis calls it a pilgrimage in reverse. And so um, this past Christmas, I was I was just reflecting on, you know, since entering the convent, and they're just, the blessings are like, you know, Christ does, he says like a hundredfold in this age, you know, brothers and sisters. And um, so I almost don't even know where to start. But I think one huge gift, and it's often hidden from the outside looking in, is the blessing of community life. Yeah. And, um, you know, God made us for relationship with each other. And so the Dominican life is a is a communal life. So we'll never just have a sister off in one place teaching by herself where we pray together, we share meals together, we have fun together. So that's really a, a pillar of our life. And that is such a blessing, you know, on the hard days of teaching, you know, to come home to a family, you know, united in love, rooted in Christ, my sisters. Um, and it's a blessing that's just like each sister is such a gift to, to be able to be on this adventure to heaven with. And that's something that I just could never have expected. You know, you know, you can sort of anticipate I'm going to, you know, belong to Christ in this way. I'm going to have these spiritual children, but then also to have these sisters mm. on the path is such a source of strength and joy. Yeah. yeah. And I think it helps to form you into the person that God wants you to be, right? Mm. We have such a small we have such a small dream of ourselves, you know, and God's dream is so much bigger. And I've found in my living of my religious vocation is that community life, living with my sisters is where God is stretching my heart to, to love these sisters, right. And to be loved by them, to be received by them. Hmm. That's where I'm changed. That's where I'm being converted um, yes, it happens in the classroom. You know, yes, it happens in my personal prayer. But I think community life is is a beautiful opportunity, right? To to in a sense mother each other in yeah. community, right? Like we all are spiritual mothers, and so we all have this space for the other um, spiritually, and so we mm. cultivate that not only with our students but with with each other as well. Yeah, as you were talking about that, I thought like I remember this desire in like in high school of like being with my friends. And like having a sleepover or something and this one to like hold on to that. Like, I wish we could do this every night kind of a thing. <laughs> and actually, there's probably definitely a lot of like, you know, kinks in that desire that needed purified. But there's probably a dynamic where like life in the convent is a purified realization of that desire to some extent. Because like For you live communion. with your close friends yeah. every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. All right. We're out of time. Oh. But thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been wonderful. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your vocation for being brides of Christ and your work here in the church in the diocese. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, if you want to find any more from the sisters, head over to open light media. I'll put links to their YouTube page to their face, to their um, website on the show notes, of the page um, there. You can hear their vocation stories. If this is stirring up in anyone's heart, if you're a, you know, a young woman or an unmarried woman who's contemplated a religious life or this has stirred something up in you, uh, your diocese should have a vocations director. You can contact the vocations director for a, a local religious community in your area. So um, please do be, uh, be courageous in responding to that call. And with that, everyone, thank you so much for joining us for the show. And God bless. 
Thank you so much for listening to or watching Physically Spiritual. I'm so grateful for every moment you've given to this show. Please remember to subscribe, like, follow, and share the show. And if you want to support everything we're doing at Physically Spiritual or at Awaken Catholic, you can become a patron of the show at physicallyspiritual.com. To find anything I'm up to, head over to becominggift.com. God bless everyone.